You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. So you like hockey? Congratulations. You're amongst the smartest sports fans in the world. Want to fight about it? Join me, the Hockey Troll, and that snack, Polly Cupcakes, every Monday and Thursday on the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL, your Washington Capitals. Not only do we bring you the best Washington Capitals coverage, but we've got the hottest takes and the tastiest content. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts and at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Chirp us on all social media platforms at Caps Chirp. See you beauties and vendors there. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche, and brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Griffin Youngs. Ladies and gentlemen, tick, 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 tick. We are two days away from the puck drop on the 2021 season for the Colorado Avalanche when they take on the St. Louis Blues on January 13th in games one and two of the season. And seeing that we're going to get to know the Blues very well by the end of the week, I took the liberty of getting to know a couple of St. Louis Blues fans and going on their shows to talk Avs and Blues. Basically, I joined my good friends Tom Franklin and the man called Wags on their show, the Blue Notes Podcast, that can also be found on the Hockey Podcast Network. We just had a great time talking about both the Blues and the Avalanche ahead of their season opening matchups beginning on Wednesday, January 13th. We caught up about what we can expect between the Blues and the Avs on opening night and throughout the season when they match up another six times, and if there's a chance of a long-term rivalry finally boiling over between the two. As we'll get into on the show, there's been a little bit of it in the past few seasons. We talked a little bit about that Game 82 a few years ago where the Avs knocked off the Blues to get into the playoffs and how the Avs were nipping at the Blues' heels for most of last season before the pause. Also, we talked again about the Avs' offseason additions of Saad and Taze, what the Avalanche's main strengths and weaknesses are heading into the season, and who the biggest breakout player could be for the Avs in this upcoming season. Again, it was just a great time with those guys on the Blue Notes podcast, and you'll hear my full segment on the show momentarily. But first, I just wanted to cover a few more bases with the Avalanche and their training camp ahead of the season opener, starting with Connor Timmons. Connor Timmons has reportedly become the front runner to earn a top six spot on this Avalanche defense with Eric Johnson still 
maybe not being able to play. He's been unfit to practice throughout this training camp so far. And when asked about it after one of the camps, Coach Bednar said that Connor Timmons is the leader right now in the clubhouse among the D candidates to replace Eric Johnson in the starting lineup Wednesday night against the Blues. Bednar said Connor Timmons has looked fantastic. He showed up to camp in great condition, looks bigger, stronger, more durable, and he's put a lot of his injury woes behind him, which is great to hear because Timmons has dealt with a lot in the last couple years that's prevented him from making the NHL. According to Benner, he also had a great summer of training, and he's looked really good in camp so far. Obviously, Timmons has suffered a lot of injuries in the last few seasons. Obviously, in the second round of the playoffs, Timmons suffered another head injury that sidelined him for the rest of that series. And there were question marks about whether we would see him in the NHL after all the hype due to all the injuries. And now with Byram coming in the system, if he was just going to be passed over and eventually forgotten or traded. But the good news is Timmons has produced big time so far in training camp. He has impressed Coach Bednar. And we're not really sure what's going on with Eric Johnson at the moment. Just all we know is he was unfit to practice. We don't know if it's potentially COVID-related or injury-related. I mean, I hope Eric Johnson comes back soon. I'm, I assume everyone else wants him back very soon. He's been around for a long time, one of the biggest veterans on the team, and just seeing him deal with all the injuries that he's had to deal with of late has been very tough to watch. But also, in the optimism, it's been great to see now that Connor Timmons might be getting his shot to step up after a lot of de dealing with a lot of his injuries, he's only played two NHL games and two in the playoffs last season in the bubble. Still has yet to record his first points in the NHL, but he is just about there. Now, obviously, Connor Timmons, for those who don't remember, was a second-round pick for the Avalanche in 2017, the season after they finished the bottom of the league. So he was the first pick of the second round that season. And he's just been on the outside looking in ever since he came over from the OHL. Had a very strong season in the AHL last season, 27 points in 40 games. Like I just said, didn't record a point in his two NHL games or in his two NHL playoff games before suffering his injury. But now it seems like he will get his chance if Eric Johnson is unfit to go on Wednesday night against the Blues. And we're not sure if this is going to be a one or two game thing for Johnson or if this is going to be something that carries over into the season. It's There really is no indication, and that's just the world we live in right now with COVID, and we just can't be sure if something is an injury, a positive test, or quarantine. It's, it's real tough to speculate right now. Hopefully Eric Johnson's okay and he can come back soon. But if Connor Timmons is really ready to step into a top six role, it just shows the, like I've mentioned so many times, just the laughable amount of depth that this Avalanche team has. And now especially on defense, because if Eric Johnson is able to come back in just a little while and then that then flexes Timmons out of the lineup, just think about that for a second. You're going to have Kale McCarr, Devontae, Sam Girard, Eric Johnson... And then you get to your 
bottom pair of Ryan Graves, Ian Cole, and then you get to your extra defensemen who are Bowen Byram and Connor Timmins. Are you kidding me? That's a, that's a joke. Like, that is hilarious how deep this friggin' team is. You can just have Connor Timmins potentially as your eighth defenseman or Bowen Byram as your eighth defenseman. Like, like it even matters. You can, put, you can have Ian Cole as your eighth defenseman if you feel so inclined. You can just swap him out with Byram or Timmins. Or if there are injuries, like let's say Eric Johnson is out for a while, you, then you can just have Connor Timmins up there. And then once Byram's ready to go, you can plug Byram in there. I mean, is there anything this team doesn't have right now? It's, it's ridiculous. And I, it's just one of the reasons I can't wait for this season to get started because every time I look at the roster for this team, I'm, I'm just in awe. And I want to see how this team does on the ice. I'm, I can't wait to get started with watching this team because this, this season could really be something special. And even if it's not, even if this team is floundering, I would be fascinated as to why with a team this good. Again, like there's just so much here, and we and we're we're not even talking about the offense of McKinnon. We've talked about that so many times. Just the defense alone is crazy. You never know with injuries and everything, like how this season's going to look with positive tests and injuries. The Avs seem pretty well equipped to deal with it. If the, even if they lose just for the sake of conversation, Eric Johnson and Ryan Graves, they got two guys they can just plug in, and those two guys are Connor Timmins and Bowen Byram, which I think is is just ridiculous. So good on Connor Timmins for making a good impression so far in camp, and hopefully Eric Johnson can come back soon, but. Also hoping that Connor Timmons can make the best of supposedly the earned spot he's gotten in the top six. And once Johnson comes back, just makes the avalanche that much deeper. But with that down, I do now want to get into my conversation with Tom Franklin and the man called Wags on the Blue Notes podcast. Like I said, it was a great conversation with them. I think we went on for just about 50 minutes, maybe a little less than an hour. Those guys are just a blast to talk to. I think you'll find a lot of good information in there about both the Avs and for the Blues as well, who we'll be getting to know a lot during this upcoming season. But without further ado, here is my conversation on the Blue Notes podcast. Fan-sided writer and tell it as it is podcast host Griffin Youngs joins us now here on Blue Notes. It is our Blue Notes face-off of the week. It's the Blue Notes Face-Off of the Week. And thank you once again, Tom Calhoun, and uh, thank you to the makers of NHL 94 for that beautiful music to introduce us to our guest this week, Griffin Youngs. How's it going, bud? I'm doing quite well. How are you guys doing tonight? We're good. This uh, hockey is back. It is. This is not a fever dream. It's real. Hockey is coming back. We have waited so long for this. I can't wait. I can't wait neither. It's hard. It's hard to be upset at all when there's hot. What is it? Two days now till season opener. Yeah, exactly. By the time it's this, been this a lifetime, it, it feel it really does. I mean, it's 
we had the playoffs, you know, which was, you know, great for me. I was one of those people. I, I work, you know, at the total ass crack of dawn. So, you know, by the time I got home, the first round Robin games were going or the first playoff games were going. And it's like hockey all afternoon. It was absolutely awesome. But, you know, the season ended in September. And, of course, a lot's happened, you know, in the country, in the world. You know, four months in, in, in 2020 might as well be four years. So, you know, exactly. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad we finally got to this point and uh, we have hockey back here. So, uh, first of all, let's go ahead and, and, and get to know you a little bit. Of course, you're uh, one of our new podcasts here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, what got you into the NHL and the game of hockey growing up? Now, I, before, I, before you answer that, I understand I have an inside source that tells me you're actually a Capitals fan, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Sounds like I think I might know who that source is, but mm. I can confirm that that rumor is, in fact, true. I do live out here in Maryland in the DMV. If you can see maybe a little bit behind me, that red sign, that is a Caps sign. So okay, I did grow up a Caps fan and everything, but I do have a very, very good connection to the Avs. My favorite player growing up for a while was Andre Burakovsky when he was on the Capitals, and then... Obviously, last season, he gets moved to Colorado. I already followed the team just because Nathan McKinnon, hard to not follow him. Fair. And then Burakovsky heads over there, got his jersey on now. Full-blown Avs fan now. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, you certainly do. I mean, in the, the league, you know, with free agency and all that stuff, you, you're going to have to follow players, no question whatsoever. Uh, you also write for Fans Cited. And how long have you been with them? And, and do you have any favorite articles that you've written so far? I've been with Fansided for about four years now, four years ago last October. I actually started writing about the UFC back in the the early days for a site called Cage Pages, which was just a, a smaller site on Fansided. But eventually they brought me up to the main site to cover just about everything. I kept covering the UFC for a while and I slowly started to creep over to hockey just because I realized I enjoyed writing about it a lot more. And eventually that just became... A full-time thing it's i'm i'm really blessed to do it i'm blessed to have this show i'm blessed to be able to write about the sport i love I'm blessed to talk about a team i love twice a week and f- my favorite article i've written probably a little over two years ago i did a big season preview for the whole league i ranked all 31 teams chances at winning the stanley cup that season this this was the season that the blues won the stanley cup i think i had them 10th that season in terms of chances to win the cup and i did about a couple thousand words for all 31 teams and it came out to be a pretty hefty article it took me about a month to do that's definitely one i'd be the most proud of feel 10th place that year wags that would be probably i feel that's right about where people were picking the blues right before the season right yeah oh no question and you know Early on, we would have been like 10th. Yes, we'll take 10th. And then yes, by the end of the year, we're like 10th, rated, really? <laughs> we have definitely been rated way lower than that. Trust me. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. so, so, so we, we, we salute you already. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about the Blues and the Avs, you know, and, you know, kind of get to, you know, we, we kind of know the Avs a little bit just because we're both Central Division uh, foes. Now we're moving out to the West. Um, over the past couple of years, it seems like the Avs and Blues have been kind of building a kind of a competitive rivalry. I wouldn't call it like a real blood rivalry, but it seems like the games are always very high octane and it just feels like there's always a lot at stake when these two teams play. 
Um, the Blues have a nine and four record against the Avs the last three seasons, but outside of going four and zero in 2018-19, the Blues play the Avs. Um, you know, they, 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 there's a pattern. You know, they play the Avs really well in the first half of the season, and then as we saw last season, just complete shambles. You know, in the second half of the season, um, I'm really afraid for Jordan Bennington anytime he goes to Denver now, just because uh, they've they the Avs did not treat our starting netminder very well in Denver the last two games. Uh, so, yes, we'll admit it. The abs scare us a little bit, but how do you abs, you and you know fans like you, feel about the Blues? Well, coming into this season, uh, we definitely have started a bit of a blood feud with Dallas and probably would label them to be our top rival at the moment. And coming into the season, they were going to be in this West Division with us and the Blues were going to be out in the Central but yep. now that those positions have swapped, I would I would probably say that of the teams in our division, I would say the Blues are the biggest rival right now. I mean, Minnesota, I mean, a couple Man. of years ago, that would have been a pretty big rivalry after that playoff series and everything. But I think you're right. I think something has been boiling with the Abs and the Blues for a little while. Nothing to really call it a major rivalry yet. But once we get through eight games this season, especially to open the season, then a couple to end the season and potentially a playoff series if the stars align that way. I think going into next season as well, you could start to see this become a very marketable rivalry for the league. I mean, there was that game a few years ago, game 82, to get into the playoffs that the Avs ended up winning to add to that 9-4 and four record, 1-1 one, one where it counts. But mm-hmm. I think once they do get into that series a little bit, they knock out these first two games, meet again just a few weeks later, I think you'll start to see a lot more pushing and shoving coming up. Yeah, and first of all, thanks for reminding me of that, you know, Game 82. I I had raced it from my memory for some you reason. You won the cup the next year. I mean, I'm sure that softened yeah, it a little bit. It, it did, it did, but um, yeah, it was that was a tough pill to swallow that year. It was, it was, uh, that was another one of those kind of like, hey, this could be our year type of years, and it just didn't happen. Mike Yo was kind of a, Kind of a train wreck. And then the second thing, speaking of Mike Yo, you know, you mentioned the Wild. Yeah, the Wild are joining us. I would definitely say the, you know, I would agree with you in that I think the Blues and Stars have more of a rivalry than the Blues and Wild do. The Wild have always been kind of striving for mediocrity. Mm-hmm. I will I will also say I would not be surprised, Wags, if we start seeing a rivalry building between the Blues and the Coyotes just because the Coyotes seem to have our number for some reason, and I don't know why. And, of course, after this season, the Coyotes are jumping to the Central. So, you know, you, you, you got to know Corey and Richie are going to want to rub it in our faces, you know, you know, as anytime they can. Oh, most definitely. And, you know, for talking of rivalries and, you know, moving to the Colorado side of things, I could definitely see Colorado and Vegas really getting into the heat of battle because they both have superior offensive abilities and they're both the top two teams I think in my mind as cup contenders this year that that could be a really Detroit Colorado-ish kind of rivalry uh, building this year yeah absolutely I'd agree with that I could also see that happening with the Blues in Vegas with the Petrangelo departing and everything Vegas, and, trust me, the, the the Vegas Nightly guys they want that to happen, and so far I'm just I'm I'm not playing along yet, but we might have to cross that bridge at some point, Griffin. I think we're gonna have a lot of Twitter interactions with the Vegas Nightly guys over the course of this season, <laughs> both of us. Yes, they're they're I think they're feeling themselves a little bit right now with the team they've got. I mean, and deservedly so. 
a bit, but with Vegas yeah. for the for the Avalanche, that's definitely going to be probably one of the best matchups to watch in the entire season. I mean, they're going to be putting them out on Lake Tahoe for an outdoor game. I think the NHL feels the same. Yeah, de- definitely. And, and, you know, of course, you know, Wags, you know, Vegas, probably the biggest chirpers in the THPN network. <laughs> They've got to be at this point. A little bit, maybe. <laughs> it, it helps that they got the biggest chirper of them all and uh, Mr. Ryan Reeves down there as well. Uh, True. <laughs> uh, so, Griffin, before we talk to you, we, we talked a little bit about how some of the West Coast start times for the Blues are being adjusted. So it's not so late for us here in St. Louis. But being in the mountain time zone, is it fair to say that the Avs are mostly unaffected by being in that middle time zone that, you know, they're going to, they're used to these kind of games spanning the three zones. So are they going to feel any differences being out in the West? I wouldn't expect so. I mean, the, even this 10 30 start time for me out on the East coast is going to be eight 30 out there. That's not bad at all for the abs or people who fans who live out in Colorado. So, and that's going to be one of the later games of the season. Most of these games are going to start around six o'clock mountain time, seven o'clock and, a bunch of these games are going to be starting in the afternoon as well. So I don't think the start times are really going to affect the abs at all. I mean, they've, they've dealt with this a lot over the, the years playing in a bunch of time zones. And I'm sure a lot of these guys are adjusted to it by now. Yeah, definitely. So let's go ahead and talk about the abs themselves. Uh, they made two notable offseason moves, uh, acquiring Brendan Saad from Colorado, uh, from Chicago for essentially Nikita Zadorov, and there were some minor pieces exchanged. And then the abs dealt two seconds to the Islanders for Devin Taves. Um, first to Saad, I, I picked him up late in our THPN Fantasy draft this weekend. Should I expect a resurgence out of him in Colorado? Absolutely, you can expect a resurgence out of Brandon Saad in Colorado this season. At worst, Saad is going to be playing on that second line with mainly Nazem Kadri and probably interchangeably with Burakovsky or Gabe Landeskog, just depending on how Bednar feels on a night-by-night basis. But yeah, I mean, Saad, he's been on a lot of winners in the past with those Blackhawks teams, and he's bringing a lot of experience to this Avs team. And I can definitely see him having a strong bounce back. He was pretty solid last year. The only real down season Sod's had was his return to Chicago. You can kind of guess what to expect from him in every other season. And I wouldn't expect him to be that much different here, but definitely strong resurgence with his line mates if he can stick with Kadri. And there could be a chance with injuries or just if Bednar's Mm -hmm. feeling it to stick him up with McKinnon and Landeskog or Brantonen for that matter. So just the, I think that just that chance alone, that's a very smart pickup to pick him up late in the draft. If you can stick him alongside McKinnon, even if it's just a couple times a year, I can expect he'll be potting a lot of points that night. And then you pick up, you know, I guess to fill the door off spot, you know, Devin Taves, you know, to add to already a strong defensive stable in Colorado, arguably probably one of the best, probably the best, in my opinion, defensive core in the entire Western Conference for sure. Um, You know, of course, I'm trying to pick up Taves from another one of our fantasy teams as well. Um, But uh, those who think he's just the other Taves, you know, because everyone knows Jonathan Taves so well. Just how good and underrated is Devin Taves, and where do you see him fitting in in the uh, Avs uh, pairings? Getting Devon Taves this offseason is probably one of the best moves Joe Sackick has made outside of the Matt Duchesne trade. That is a brilliant pickup. Devon Taves is incredibly underrated. He was excellent in New York and kind of emerged out of nowhere the last few seasons coming up out of the AHL. He fit perfectly in that trot system and everything. He's got a booming shot, and... 
he could potentially slot right up on that top pair with Kale McCarr, the way things are shaping out in training camp right now. And that could be a, a lethal duo. That could be a duo that you could see playing for Team Canada in a few years. It's that good. Devontae's is definitely an upgrade over Nikita Zadorov. No offense to Nikita Zadorov. He was great in his as his, during his time as an avalanche. But Devontae's paying only two seconds for him is an outstanding move, especially if the abs do as well as we expect them to. Those will be two late second round picks. They're not going to be missing those, especially when you can get Taze for four years like we just signed him. It's a brilliant pickup. Well, you talk a lot about, and all of us talk a lot about Colorado's offense, and now you're talking up the Colorado defense. But in your guys' minds, what is Colorado's biggest strength heading into this season? Their biggest strength is definitely their top six on offense. You mean, you put Nathan McKinnon, Landis Gog, Rantanen on a line together. It's already unfair. And even with just that line alone, two seasons prior, they were sneaking into the playoffs and giving teams like Nashville and knocking off Calgary two years ago as well. They were giving those teams trouble with just basically that line alone. And now they've added all this depth with Saad, Burakovsky, Kadri, everyone underneath them. And now you see it. This team is emerging as a Stanley Cup favorite. They made a good push last season before they ran into a bunch of injuries against Dallas. But that, that star power in that top six is definitely their greatest strength. And that's not to take away from the amazing depth they have in their bottom six, how much power they've built up on defense by getting Kale McCarr and now adding Devontae's and continuing to get growth from Gerard, and now potentially getting Bowen Byram up in the NHL this season as well. So definitely that star power with McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog is still their strength. Yeah, we we bigged up the forwards, the top six, the bottom six. We bigged up the defensive core. Is Colorado's biggest weakness their goaltending, or would you even say Colorado has a weakness? That's that's a, probably a good way to put it. I'd say Colorado's weakness is their goaltending by default, if you had to pick one, because I really don't think it's much of a weakness. I like Philip Grubauer as a starting goalie. There's just only the question of if he stays healthy. Right, right before I got on the show, I saw Jared Bednar's planning to start him for 65% of the games. And if you can get 36 games, which is what that would be, out of Grubauer and he's fully healthy, you can pretty much expect him to be a 915 goalie. And he, at worst, a 910. He's a very solid starting goalie. He's very underrated and he's dealt with a lot of injuries during his time in Colorado. And you got to stay healthy, but not a lot of that's in his control. So if he can stay healthy, he'll be a very solid starter for them and exactly the starter you need in order to carry this team far. So fair to say that maybe the shortened season might actually help someone like Grubauer? I would say so. I mean, Grubauer played exactly 36 games last season due to injuries and the pause and everything. So playing 36 games this season for him might just seem like exactly like it was last season. And it's not like they don't have a good backup. Pavel Francouz is a very solid backup as well. He struggled in the playoffs against Dallas but in the regular season he had one of the top save percentages in the league so if he can continue even just along that performance the abs are set and net it might not be as good as their offense or defense and it might not be one of the better tandems in the league but it's still up there it's still above average and I'd say more than that I'd say it's very strong now, now we know the names McKinnon Landis God Makar we know these names but who is the the breakout player that as fans are going to be expecting a lot out of this year. 
the breakout player the Avs can expect a lot more out of is definitely Andre Burakovsky. Andre Burakovsky, when he came over from Washington, he dealt with a lot of injuries. He couldn't really crack the top six in Washington due to inconsistency. Once he came to Colorado and once he got his defined spot in the lineup in that top six, it was over from there. He found his shot. And Burakovsky has one of the best shots in the league. And if he can play up to his full potential this season, I wouldn't be surprised to see him score at a 30-goal pace. His offense is lethal, and his playmaking ability is very underrated as well. And you stick him aside, line mates like Kadri and now Brandon Saad, and even last season when they plugged him in with McKinnon and Rantanen or Landeskog during injuries or just when Coach Bednar felt like it, Burakovsky thrived in those roles. And also in the playoffs, you saw Burakovsky came through big time in those elimination games. He scored in three straight game sevens. So if he can find some consistency this regular season as he starts to get into his prime, I'd expect a lot from him as an Avs fan. He can be he can be that kind of second line player that really can push your team to the next level and take some pressure off of your top line guys. A Capitals fan saying Burakovsky is the breakout player. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> Man, I wonder. I wonder why I would think that. I, I wonder why. I wonder all. why. Although, but, but I also know a thing or two about him, and I know I've seen him in Washington, and I've seen him in Colorado. This is a very different player in Colorado than the one I saw in Washington. Yeah, his resurgence in Colorado was was you know I mean you know not really being an Avs hater or pro or anti Avs. It was nice to see you know because mm-hmm. you know you, you definitely saw the talent in Washington. It just now it was just a matter of you know getting it together, and it seems like Colorado was just the perfect perfect fit for him. Uh, speaking of good fits for uh, you know fallen stars, if you will, you have one of the Blues' most infamous failures on your roster, and you've had him there for the better part of a decade now. While Eric Johnson wasn't, I wouldn't say he was bad in St. Louis and calling him like a failure is really not fair. He didn't live up to being taken first overall over the likes of like a Jonathan Taves and a Nicholas Backstrom who went after him, among others. Um, you get that extra pressure when you're a first overall pick and it's just he just didn't live up to it. But he does seem to have carved himself a pretty nice role in Colorado as a steady veteran presence on on in their defense. But there's been some talk I've I've read about of getting Eric to waive his no movement clause to be exposed to Seattle or maybe possibly moved out, you know, as you have the likes of Bowen Byram and, and Connor Timmons coming up. So just based on what you know about the ass and what you've seen, what do you think Eric Johnson's future is in Colorado? That's a very tough one to read at the moment. Obviously, like you said, he has that full no trade clause and such. So Eric Johnson, when he's healthy and playing, is a very solid second-pair defenseman on this team. He's one of the longest-tenured guys on the team. He brings a lot of that veteran experience to the team. But when you have guys like Bowen Byram ready to start to make the NHL, and you've got Connor Timmins chomping at the bit to make the NHL this season, and also Eric Johnson hasn't been in training camp recently. He's still dealing with some, I would call it injuries, but he's been labeled as unfit to play for the moment. We can only take a guess as to what that means right now but he dealt with injuries during the playoffs he's dealt with a lot of injuries pretty much almost every year during his time in Colorado so when you have a chance to bring a guy like Byram and Timmons into the lineup and all respect due to Johnson he's been here a long time and if he's willing to waive that trade clause I could see him being exposed to Seattle but I'm not totally convinced 
that they would take him just because the abs would have to also expose some other solid players as well, just from the amount of talent that they have. So I'm not totally convinced that we can pencil him as pencil him in as a member of the Kraken next season. But as for his, as for his future, it's really just a question of how long he really wants to play here. I mean, he has three more seasons, including this one. He'll be a UFA after the 2024 season. He's 32. Now he'll be around 35 when the contract expires. So if he wants to stay here, I think he'll stay, but as the salary cap crunch is going to inevitably start to take hold after this season, they might have to start looking elsewhere. I mean, it's a modified no trade clause, not a no trade clause, like I just said, but so there are options if you want to move him and it's not an unmovable contract. It's $6 million for three seasons. There is definitely a young team out there that needs defense that will bite on that without having to make you attach something crazy in order to take on the contract, but he'll definitely at least finish out this season. And if the cap crunch gets to be too much and Bowen Byram and Connor Timmons, or just one of them proves themselves to be NHL ready, then this could be his last season. But I don't think he finishes his contract in Colorado. Just if I had to make a prediction right now, if not this season, then maybe the one after that. So our dreams of an Eric Johnson, Justin Falk pairing in Seattle might be taking a hit. <laughs> Maybe. I don't think Seattle's jumping at the bit to take Justin Falk's contract right now. But. Well, now Ron Francis was his GM in Carolina, and Doug Armstrong Jedi mind tricked uh, Jason Botterill into you know giving us Ryan O'Reilly, and now they both are in Seattle. That's a one can hope. Think of that. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, so just in this conversation alone, I think I already know the answer to this question, but you know, we did our picks for the West last week and it seems to be the consensus out there that Colorado is more than likely the top team out in the West. Is that the the same viewpoint that you guys have? Or are you kind of like us where we're like, let's not put our team at the top. Let's kind of downplay them a little bit and, and maybe hope they get the first, uh, the first spot. The expectation is in Colorado is that they win this division and they win the Stanley cup. Nothing less. I mean, bar, barring injuries, I'd say this team has no excuse not to win this division. Even with as good as the Blues and Golden Knights are, the way this team is constructed right now, they are built to win right now. So the expectation is the Avs finish first in this division, maybe win a President's Trophy as well, because it doesn't get easier after this season, like I've mentioned a lot on my show before. You're going to have to re-sign McCarr after this season, and Landis Gog's going to need a new contract. So the attitude in not just the fan base, but the team from what I've seen is that they are the Stanley cup favorites. They have embraced that and they are going to charge full, full steam ahead in trying to not just win the cup, but also win this division. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and it's, it's really hard to argue against any of that. Really? They, this team is built for world domination. Uh, that is for sure. But how do you see the rest of the West playing out? Like, you know, I mean, a lot of, I mean, you know, while the consensus is that the Avs will probably win the West, I mean, Vegas and St. Louis are still in there. Do you, do you see that as being, you know, your, your your top two contenders? Or do you see any anyone else in the West really giving you any trouble? Absolutely. St. Louis and Vegas are the other top two contenders. And I'm not, I'm not saying that the Avs are going to crush those guys and run away with this division in a landslide. Because I think this top three is the best top three in any division. I mean, Amen. 
I, I personally have St. Louis third in the division, which, you know, go on the road to start the playoffs. Doesn't sound like they'd be Stanley Cup favorites, but I easily have them as Stanley Cup favorites. I'd have them winning probably two other divisions. I'd have them winning that East division ahead of teams like Boston and Washington. I'm ha- I'd have them winning that Canadian division ahead of teams like Toronto and Edmonton. And I'd only barely put them behind Tampa. And so while the Blues, it's like a little bit of the luck of the draw to be put with Colorado and Vegas when they could have been put out in that central division. But they're also kind of almost guaranteed a spot ahead of teams like all the California teams, Minnesota and Arizona. So it's you you win some, you lose some. Maybe they're not going to be the best team in this division like they would be in some others, but they're also pretty secure in their spot right now. Well, they also seem to play up to their competition as well. So being in the same division as Colorado Vegas, they're going to put their best effort in those games where if they're out in like the East or something like that, they may not play to the best of their ability and, and may not make a playoff run because they haven't been able to play against the best competition. They're going up against the teams that are going to be there at the end. And, and I think that's good for the blues. And I think for teams like Colorado and Vegas too. Yeah. I mean, one thing I've talked about on my show a lot is that these games against the blues and the golden Knights are going to be, the way you measure yourself this season, because in this season opening series alone, uh, I went on guy, the Hawaii blues fans show the other day. He brought up a very good point. If the blues take one against the abs, that's a win for St. Louis. The abs need to win both of those games because you're not going to really play another team considered to be on your level until you play the blues again in early February, you're going to be playing teams like the sharks and the Kings and the wild for probably eight or nine games and you're not going to be able to have another chance to really prove yourself against another team that can be considered on your level until you play the blues again. And then you're only playing Vegas for the first time at the end of February. And that's going to be four straight games. And you've got to, you've got to put on a showing in those games too. Yeah. And exactly. And just from a competitive standpoint, you know, I'm, I'm actually, you know, as time has gone on, I'm, I'm happier that the blues are in the West you know, I think they match up against the Avs and in and, and Vegas very well. You know, we always play, you know, Coyotes are always, you know, tough, a tough out against us. You know, we had, we had actually had a poll, you know, when we were still trying to, you know, NHL was trying to figure out how the divisions were going to uh, sort out on Twitter. And one of the answers was, you know, you know, how can we get annexed into Canada, you know, just so we can play against that weak division. But then I thought about it and it's like, you know, the Blues don't have any ri- rivals up in Canada. It, it, it would be a, I, to me, that's, there, there would be no sizzle on the stake if you know they were in the Canadian division. And if you thought the time zone issues in the West were bad, you know, go to Canada. Good luck with that. Yeah, that just sounds like a nightmare. And I was a bit disappointed that we couldn't get Dallas in this division as well and send Same. send Minnesota pack into that Central division. That just would have made for much much more entertaining hockey, I suppose, just to get Dallas against St. Louis and Colorado and they played Vegas in the conference final last season. They they've got yeah. they've got beef with all those teams. So for entertainment standpoint, I just I would have much preferred to see the stars. Yes, they're going to play Tampa and have a Stanley Cup final rematch, but that's going to get old after a little yeah. while. Yeah, that that will that will definitely get stale and you know, I I when you bring up the stars, I always bring it up, you know, I I still have PTSD over the double overtime game 7 they had during the blue Stanley cup run, you know, watching Ben Bishop doing what he did. And it's just like, you know, every time the blues play the stars, it's always, you know, a hard, hard matchup between the two, those two 
You know, I mean, that, that's another competitive rivalry that's really kind of started to build up over the last couple of years. And, you know, it's not a, it's not hate. It's just a very, very competitive game every time those two face off against, against each other. I'm going to miss them this year. I really am. I am, uh, too, just for the the way that they they knocked us out last season with that game seven overtime. And we're missing both our goalies and everything. We we really just wanted to get that pound of flesh back against the stars <laughs> over the course of eight games. And it's a shame that the first time we'd be able to see them this season at all is if we both went to that final four and played each other, or we could see each other in the final, but odds are we're not going to see them until probably October when next season begin. hopefully when next season begins. But it's just a shame because I think there was definitely something boiling over with that, but with matching up with the blues this season, I think that'll ha- that'll think that'll be a very good substitute because the Avs they were right on the Blues' heels for just about all the last season. Season paused right when they were just on their heels. They had a very fun game against them in the round robin with that last second winner, and I'd be excited to see a lot more of that. Uh, yeah, we, we we were doing a live stream of 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 our of that game, and um, I, I wouldn't say fun was a good word for it, Wags. It, 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 was, it was the worst because it was Kadri and, and I, you know, all, all credit to Kadri is a good player, but he's, you know, up in Toronto, he was just, a, uh, ah, ah. so to have him be the guy that did it. Uh, and, and you guys got a couple of guys like that. None, none more so than, than the, I guess, shadow owner. And we have uh, such a, a great history with Mr. Stan Kroenke here in St. Louis. Uh, what is the relationship with the Kroenke's? and the city or the state of Colorado and, and the Avs themselves. I mean, obviously Stan is not like the figurehead there. It's more of his son. But is there any bad blood, animosity, or just anything wrong with the Crockies owning the Avalanche? There's one thing that I can say for sure is that winning cures all. And that the Avalanche, <laughs> they have a very, very good team constructed right now. And fans are excited. It's when you start to lose that stuff like that can boil up to the surface. And you saw a bit of that when the abs were bottoming out a few years ago, but it's not, it's not all sunshine and rainbows right now. There's still the stuff with altitude and everything and Comcast. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how much that really has to do with ownership, but it's just something that's unfortunate for abs fans to be dealing with right now. But in terms of actual relations with the owners, They've made the playoffs the last three seasons. They've won two playoff rounds in two consecutive years, and now they've put together a team that is the consensus Stanley Cup favorite for right now. So a lot of that gets ignored. I mean, like I said, winning cures all. And they they haven't won yet, but even just the idea of winning and having a very strong team cures all. Well, we never got a chance to feel that winning cures all, you know, mentality here when Kroenke owned the Rams because Kroenke purposely made the Rams bad so he can make them easy to move. I still stand by that statement, you know, not not bitter or anything. It wouldn't surprise me one bit, trust me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he literally like took the playbook from the evil owner in Major League. You know, like seriously, he he ran that to a T and only in his case it worked. You know, well, yeah, so. no, no one wanted to take the, the pieces off of him to see him naked. So exactly, exactly. exactly. Who wants to see that? Except his wife, maybe. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Anywho, on that note, um, we're going to give you a chance here, just like we did with the quack report to talk some smack about any other THPN podcasts out there. Uh, any budding rivalries. This is your chance to drop a diss track 
on any other team's podcast here within the network. We gave the Quack Report a chance, as I said, but they kind of took the high road. So we kind of talked about the Vegas Weekly Nightly earlier. Is uh, that going to be your diss track here? It's hard to say. I mean, I love all the guys at the Hockey Podcast Network. I mean, I've got I've got no beef with any of them personally, and mm-hmm. I love the Vegas Nightly guys, but I don't like their team. I do not <laughs> like the Vegas Golden Knights, and I will come out and say that publicly right now. Love the guys that do the podcast. Do not like that team one bit. I think they're a bunch of whiners. And I mean, you got to give Mark Andre Fleury credit though for playing goalie with a big sword sticking out of his yeah, back. I mean, more it's, more it's credit hard. to him. I wouldn't. I I don't think I'd be able to move my arms or do any of that goalie stuff with a giant Excalibur in my back. But he's <laughs> he's sticking around this season and everything. I hope that doesn't come and poison the locker room or anything but I, Vegas just from the beginning has always rubbed me the wrong way ever since their first season I, I tried to embrace the the underdog role but the second it got to to golden misfits it just ugh. yeah it, as, it, as, it made me just recoil a bit and seeing the seeing the caps give them a bit of a push in the in the Stanley Cup final was very good for me to see and to see them have that series against the sharks where they blew that lead in the series and in the game. I will admit, I enjoyed watching that a little bit and watching the stars push them around as much as I don't love the stars right now. It was, it was okay to watch. I thought that was pretty cool, but as, as Wags knows, there's a reason I call Vegas, the Toronto of the West. That is a great way. To, yeah, they are. They're the Toronto of the West. And this, the, yeah. the part that bothers me about Vegas is that they did. They just seem like, they act like they're owed a Stanley Cup. That's the part that's always just rubbed me the wrong way. Like, yeah, okay, you guys have a great team. You got the favor of the expansion draft. Good for you. But you still got to go out and win it. It just seems like they walked into that final against Washington. Yeah. Like It was already a foregone conclusion. They're going to win. And then they well, walked yeah. in the next season. Like, we're just going to win. Well, I mean, like San Jose and Tampa, I mean, they got handed, handed Ford Pintos, you know, for their expansion teams. And then, you know, Minnesota got, you know, a, a Yugo. And yet here comes Vegas with a Lamborghini, you know, of a team to start off. I mean, and also it, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Right. And, you know, I don't have a problem with giving expansion teams good teams just to grow the game there. But the Blue Jackets have won one playoff series in their history. Vegas has how many has Vegas already won? Like five? In three I think it's seasons? five. I yeah. think it's about five. Yeah. yeah. Like that's you gotta admit, it's a little unfair. And well, you're, you're you're talking to fans of two teams that have had uh uh you know, uh, the, the Blues did go to the finals in their first three years, I'll, but, you know, that was different. All the expansion teams were in one division. Right. It just so happened the Blues were the best of the dregs, you know, if you will. Um, and then, of course, we've gone, you know, when 50-plus years without even going to the Stanley Cup final after those first three years. So it's just we feel your pain when it comes to Vegas and their sense of entitlement. Right. Just you guys walked into the league, and now you're basically being handed – a decent shot at a Stanley cup every single season. And, and I grew up with the capitals. They've been to the Stanley cup final once before they won in 2018. The blues had been, not been the Stanley cup final for just as long as the Leafs had basically when they came into the league. So like some of us have had to endure a little bit of pain before success. Vegas just walks right in. It's just, Oh, we're going to the playoffs this year. We won the division, whatever they get on my nerves. That's all I'm going to say. 
Yeah, and and uh, Luke Whitman, our the guy that composes our intro music, chiming in. Did the Avalanche guys shame Vegas for having a good team in year one? That's that's literally what he just did for the last <laughs> you know three minutes here. So I don't, I'm not shaming them for having a good team. Good for them, but also let's acknowledge a little bit that some of us had to suffer first before success. Good on them for having a good team. Not a fan of their attitudes. And Wags, we know what suffering in hockey is, being Blues fans. We, we uh, know that all too well. Yeah, the, just go back to our November shows and you'll, you'll see uh, exactly, <laughs> exactly what. That was, a, that was a long and painful month. I'll, I'll leave it at that. It was. It made us drinkers. Yeah. Put, put it that way. That's our excuse, I, at least. Yeah, as I, as I drink my Irish cider here. <laughs> well, uh, Griffin, we want to th- thank you for being on the show. It, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, yes, we have a little bit of a budding rivalry with Colorado, but it's always great to meet the people behind that rivalry. And like you said, that we got a lot of great people here on THPN. Uh, let, let's, we're going to just allow you, like we do every guest that comes on our show, feel free to plug away. Where can we find you and your stuff? Well, you guys can find uh, my articles and everything at fansided.com. You, if you, even if I haven't written for a little while, you can scroll for a little bit, find my name, click on my name, and you can scroll through a lot of my articles there. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can follow me at NHL. If you want to follow my podcast where you listen to me rant about the abs and probably listen to me complain about the blues a bit during this upcoming season, you can follow them at tell it as it is we have new episodes every monday and thursday there'll be a new episode dropping tomorrow i think you guys will be in that a little bit but that's that's about it you can find me at fanside you can find me at my show tell it as it is and find me at my twitter at g young's nhl oh and one final thing uh predictions for the uh, first two games between colorado and st louis what's your what's your score predictions <sighs> that's a good question i honestly haven't given score a bit of a thought much yet, but for the opening game, I think the abs will take that one. At least I think it'll be close. I'd give that one a four, two abs win, maybe with an empty netter. And for that second game, I think, I think I can bet on that one going to overtime. And at that point, basically a coin flip abs fan in me wants to say that the abs are going to win that one. But (laughs) I also have trouble seeing seeing the Blues going 0-2 to start the season. I think the Blues take a close one in Game 2 just to give the Abs a little bit of adversity to start the season, which there's nothing wrong with. I think to set the tone of the season, I think the Blues and Abs split this series. I have the Abs winning night one just because the Blues have had more turnover. They need a little bit of time to gel. I would say Abs 3-1, to maybe 3-2 OT, um, you know, night one, and then night two... I would say Blues win another close one. I would probably flip that around, say 3-2 Blues. Yeah, what do you think, Greg? Yeah, I think actually both games will probably end up going overtime. Uh, and I think you guys are right on the head. I think it's a, a split Colorado game one, Blues game two. Colorado's going to be hyped. It's in Colorado, so they don't have to worry about travel and figuring out how to make all of that work. And, yeah, the Blues have had turnover, but it's not as much as you think. And the fact that O'Reilly's the captain of this team, and he's already done so much for St. Louis in his two short years here. Um, I, I still think Colorado gets the win in game one. I'm going to go 4-3 in overtime, and then uh, I'm going to go 2-1 to one Blues in overtime in game two. Two overtime games. I mean, yeah. not like we're staying up late enough already. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. What's an, what's another half hour right. once we're up past midnight? Half hour. Right? Hopefully it doesn't go to a shootout, and of course, oh. for another hour after that. Yeah, and then no one scores, and it goes like, you know, 15 rounds like that one Rangers game, you know, a decade ago. 
Oh, J- just so you know, uh, real quick, uh, Tom, Jake Neighbors has taken a penalty in the blue scrimmage. Nice. Very nice. He is already assimilating himself just 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 perfectly fine. He the the the, the he's our first round pick from this year, the 26 overall. And a couple days ago, he took a puck to the uh to the mouth and uh got stitched up and he was right back out there like a true professional. That's that's just the initiation it seems. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All righty. Well, thank you so much for being on Griffin. It was great and of course uh uh, as uh, Guy notes here, our Hawaii Blues fan, uh, you were on the Blue Note Fan Report this past week. So uh, check that out on YouTube to search for the Blue Note Fan Report. And uh, speaking of Guy, he joins us once again for another Aloha commentary. Uh, and uh, Guy, of course, playing the role of Adam Oates, feeding us uh, a, a nice pass uh, to us Brett Halls here, I guess, if you will, with uh, Griffin Youngs. Uh, we will hear from Guy and his Aloha commentary after we tell you about another one of our great Hockey Podcast Network podcasts. Uh, hey, by the way, Griffin, Mr. Capitals fan, our podcast this week is our Capitals podcast, The Caps Chirp. So you like hockey? Congratulations. You're amongst the smartest sports fans in the world. Want to fight about it? Join me, the Hockey Troll, and that snack, Polly Cupcakes, every Monday and Thursday on the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL, your Washington Capitals. Not only do we bring you the best Washington Capitals coverage, but we've got the hottest takes and the tastiest content. Tune in wherever you get your podcast and at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Chirp us on all social media platforms at Caps Chirp. See you beauties and vendors there. Again, I wanted to thank the Blue Notes podcast once again for having me on. And I'd expect that is definitely not the last we hear of those two, two as the season goes on. I'll probably have them on here at some point. I'll probably be going back on there at some point in the future again especially now that we're going to be playing the first two games against each other and meeting each other plenty of times as the season goes on. Again, if you want to check out their show, that is the at Blue Notes pod on Twitter with at Tom Franklin STL and at WaggyGoob16 as the hosts. Now, before we wrap up for today, I wanted to do a quick around the NHL segment to make sure we're all caught up on the big league news happening before the season begins because the next time you hear from me, We'll have a game under our belt. Game one against the St. Louis Blues will be in the books. So, some of the news happening around the league. One of the bigger things that happened in the last few days was Corey Crawford calling it a career just a few days before the opening of the NHL season. Corey Crawford has decided to hang up the skates and call it a career. Obviously, Corey Crawford... The Blackhawks legend who won two Stanley Cups with the team, signed with the New Jersey Devils before obviously retiring a few days ago. So he will retire having only played a game as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. And a few days before the announcement of his retirement, it was reported that Crawford was taking an indefinite leave of absence from the team. There were plenty of rumors going around as to why, whether it would be because of injuries that were lingering or because of anxiety or depression that came from leaving Chicago or just distance from his family and stuff like that. So tough situation for the Devils to be in, to have one of the guys they were banking on 
retire suddenly just a few days before the season begins, but you can never fault a guy for doing what's best for his future, especially after the career that Corey Crawford has had two Stanley Cups and being one of the more underrated goalies of this era. He has nothing left to prove, and I have full respect to him for leaving the sport on his own terms and listening to his body and listening to what his gut's telling him. He went out there, he went to training camp, he gave it a shot, and what can you say? He just he didn't feel it, and he could tell. And all, all the power to him for not trying to just gut out a season that he knew he couldn't do. And like I said, the guy has nothing left to prove. Two Stanley Cups, played 488 games in 13 years with the Blackhawks, went 52-42 and 42 in the playoffs in 96 playoff games, a 9-18 in the playoffs, as well as a 9-18 in the regular season. What more can you ask of from a guy? What a career from Corey Crawford, and good on him for listening to his body and not trying to force himself to do something that he just either wasn't able or wasn't willing to do. Either way, it, it doesn't really make a difference, and now the Devils will have to fill a hole at the backup position. They'll probably just have to perhaps bring up Scott Wedgwood, who they signed alongside alongside Crawford in October. But the, for the Devils, it's not like Corey Crawford was really going to make that big a difference. It gave them a solid goaltending tandem of Mackenzie Blackwood and Corey Crawford to at least backstop their young team. But they weren't going much of anywhere anyway. I mean, as we saw with the Blackhawks last season, they had both Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford play out of their minds, and they just barely snuck into the expanded playoffs. They were 23rd in the league. If the season went on normally, the Blackhawks were going to miss the playoffs comfortably, and only because the, the, the field got expanded to 24 did they make it and eventually get the opportunity for Crawford to knock off the Edmonton Oilers in the qualifying round. That's also the thing. Corey Crawford could definitely still play if he decided to. He was outstanding last season, like I just said, in the regular season, and especially in the playoffs against Edmonton. But when your body and your brain is telling you no and to stop, you have to listen. And we'll never know exactly the exact reason why Corey Crawford decided to retire, but we can give it a pretty good guess. He's 36. Like I said, he's won two Stanley Cups there's not much more you can ask for from a goalie. He gave it a shot. He signed with the Devils. And it's, it's not like he's turning down pennies on the dollar. I'm pretty sure he turned down what would have been $2.7 million. I, I don't remember if that was a season or in the contract as a whole. But you can, ne you can never fault a guy for listening to his body and doing what's best for his future and for his family. And what a career Corey Crawford had, like I mentioned. I wish him the very best and a happy retirement. And maybe there will be a Hall of Fame bid in his future someday. At very least, maybe some consideration for having his jersey retired in Chicago. I mean, no goalie in Blackhawks history ever won two Stanley Cups. Only Corey Crawford has done that. You know, while Crawford didn't win a, a Vesna or anything of that nature, he was a very, very solid goalie for a long time. And he went out while he could still play at the top of his game. There are no bad memories of Corey Crawford just 
having a bad season or a bad playoff or anything of that nature. He went out while he could definitely still compete at the highest level of hockey. And so all respect to him and happy retirement. And now to wrap up the show for today, we'll have to get to probably the most important news to keep an eye on as the season gets underway, and that is that COVID has started to pop up throughout the league, unfortunately, and some teams are already starting to feel the effects, most of all the Dallas Stars, who announced that six players and two staff members had tested positive for COVID-19, and they will shut down their facilities and have their regular season pushed back to January 19th, almost a week later than when they were supposed to start, and three Stars games will have to be rescheduled. That would be two games with the Florida Panthers and what would have been their first matchup with the Tampa Bay Lightning in a Stanley Cup final rematch. And unfortunately, while Dallas is feeling the worst of it right now with having their games rescheduled, other teams are starting to feel the effects of this pandemic right now. Columbus has had to shut down their facilities. The Penguins have also had to shut down their facilities. I think there's one I might be missing right now, but it's starting to unfortunately rear it. Vancouver, that's who had to deal with it a little bit too. And this virus is unfortunately starting to rear its head across the league. But I guess if there is some positive you can pull from this is that it's happening now. And we can start to test a lot of the NHL's protocols and see if these games can easily be rescheduled. It's better that this is happening now than happening, let's say, in a month or in a few weeks from now when everything's in full swing. I mean, let's face this was going to happen. This is going to happen. This is also not going to be the last time that this is going to happen. There are going to be games that are moved around, potentially even some avalanche games, whether or not the Avs start testing positive or a team they're playing starts testing positive. There's going to be times where games are going to start to get pushed around and hopefully not canceled. But unfortunately, this is going to have to be a reality that we all have to deal with this season. And it's unfortunate that Dallas has to deal with it right now. And I'm sure maybe even most teams in the league are going to have to deal with this at some point sooner or later unless they really lock down their protocols and everything and make sure everyone's very careful. There's just no way that the NHL was ever going to get through this unscathed. I mean, you saw with the NFL the amount of times they've had to deal with it. You've seen already in the NBA how many times they've had to deal with it. And fortunately for the Stars, this means their schedule is going to be compressed even more, moving those three games and trying to play 56 games in an even more compressed schedule. And they'll probably have to move a lot of those games towards the end of the season, but the NHL has done a good job leaving a lot of leeway in the schedule in these little three, four-day breaks every once in a while. So maybe they can sprinkle one of those games against Florida in there and maybe another game against Florida at the end of the season and fit wherever with the, the Lightning game that's also going to be missed. But hopefully this is the worst of it and hopefully we don't have to see this become a common occurrence and we can get through this season without any major outbreaks. Because the last thing we want is for a league-wide outbreak and the season to be paused again. That would be a disaster 
for the NHL, and nobody wants to see that happen. So just something to keep an eye on as the season does start to get underway. We're just going to have to keep a close eye on who's testing positive and who's not, and prepare for the possibility that maybe games are going to have to be moved around a bit this season. But that is going to do it for me today on this edition of the Tell It As It Is podcast. Follow me on Twitter at GYoungsNHL and follow the show at Tell It As It Is. If you have a question you'd like to have read on the show, send them to our open direct message inbox. I would love to start doing a Q&A sometime in the near future. Once again, I want to thank the Blue Notes podcast for having me on to talk blues and abs ahead of the season opener. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs. Thank you so much for tuning in. There is no show without you, beautiful fans, tuning in every single episode. And I will catch you all next time.